0: Sophie Toombs is a leader. She's emerged in male-dominated environments, in exceptionally competitive industries, and at a young age. She shares her secrets to career progression and the importance of having an incredible role model. Nazia Khatun is also a leader and a disruptor. She is someone who doesn't take off nobody. A lady of total pride who's carving her own journey, letting nothing stand in her way. It's fair to say, if you're not comfortable being uncomfortable, you cannot succeed. And if you are, you can. You can become a leader in any space, no matter your age, no matter your gender, no matter your industry. Remember to like and hit that subscribe button. Let's do this.
1: Well, I've trained a lot of, or a handful of celebrities and millionaires in my time, and it's sad to see, and it's inspiring to see the millionaires and people working hard, but they come to a point where they've gone over that line where they haven't taken care of their health and it's always been money, 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 fame, 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 and they're still unhappy and you try to get them to come out of that comfort zone to train, but it always goes back to how much can I make, how many millions of pounds. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a quote by, come on, Dalai Lama, I'm full of quotes. I love quotes. And I'm going to paraphrase this, but he says it so beautifully and it stays in my head. And he was asked, what surprises you about mankind? And he replied, man goes to work, he searches, you know which one I'm talking about, right? He's searching for wealth, fame, whatever it is. And then it comes to a time where he has to use his wealth to get his health back. So he's never in the present moment. Or in that moment, he's forever chasing something. I've said it totally wrong. I've done no justice to that quote. I th- I but think, you know what I'm talking about.
0: I think we all, we have we, all got it. <laughs> yeah. and by the way, there's a lot of he 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 in yeah. that. Yeah. Isn't there? There's not mankind. a lot of she 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 in that quote. <laughs> well, there's it's not. It's why, mankind, why? 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 Yeah. Why do we automatically say mankind and? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that sexist?
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a burn your bra feminist sort of thing. I'm just kind of like, I believe in women's rights and all the rest of it. But I think if pure, you know, if we're talking about pure equality with women and men, we almost don't want to be dramatising it. So I think, you know, saying, you know, things like men kind not think like that, that's fine because it is. I don't think anyone means anything by it. But I just think you can't. I don't know, I I just think you can't think too deeply about certain things.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, because I'm not a hardcore feminist, and I think feminism has
2: ruined a lot
1: of our lives. I'm so glad we're on the same
2: page.
0: So feminism Um, has ruined a lot of our lives?
2: Yeah. I like it when a man holds a door open for me, or a man opens a car door, or something like that. Chivalry. Yeah, chivalry isn't dead. I like that. It doesn't mean, yeah, I, I do...
1: Let's talk because I like Sophie already now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But going back onto the happiness thing, one thing that always stayed with me is that the feeling of happiness, no matter if you are a millionaire or if you don't have a, you know, two pennies to rub together, the feeling of happiness is the same. So let's say, you know, someone bought, Saved really hard and bought a Ford Focus, and a millionaire bought their first Lamborghini or whatever. The feeling of happiness is the same. It doesn't actually matter about. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. So you yeah. know it doesn't matter. And they say there was a study that was done, and it might have changed now because cost of living, but but wealth corresponded with happiness up to sixty thousand pounds a year. Once you earn over that, wealth and happiness didn't correlate mm-hmm. because essentially at that point you had money to live. Right. So mm-hmm. I always say. Interesting. Yeah. So.
0: Up to 60,000 a year. Yeah,
2: might be a bit more now. I don't know when people that People
0: desire goes. it a little bit more. Give me more money, give me mm-hmm. more money. But after that, it, it doesn't correlate wealth and happiness.
2: Yeah.
0: Interesting. And I like the point that you've made about the Ford Focus and the Lamborghini because happiness is in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, this might be your first car and, you, and I just feel really proud of, yeah. oh, it's my yeah. car, I've got Literally. something. Mm. I've achieved it. Or
2: And that's why that measure of success I said at the beginning... Shouldn't be based on you know monetary mm-hmm. value because someone could have worked way hard to uh, work way harder to earn that Ford Focus than the person who mm-hmm. got the Lamborghini. You know it's mm-hmm. the...
0: well look happiness is in the moment. It's in motion mm-hmm. that you feel yeah. right now. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think me hang, uh, actually hanging around or
1: training people of different stages and calibers, I've redefined what it means to be successful. Mm-hmm. And for me, after going through the last three years, going through the intense therapy work, coming out of my own shell. It came down to one thing it's how well are you connected to the people around you how well are you how are you defining your happiness with your parents, your siblings, the work that you're doing mm-hmm. because I mean going back to this very lightly, I don't want to make it about feminism or anything because we can <laughs> get deep. Females are really exhausted now. We are at burnout because we've been taught from a very young age chasing, ambitions, being this boss babe, being this high fly and everything. But deep down, all of us, I don't know if you agree with this, we just want to be loved. We want to be taken care of. And that goes down to the evolutionary biological makeup of why God made man a man and why God made female a female. I'm going back to basics. I'm living in that. And it's unfair to say that in that respect as well, because when I listen to my male colleagues, but you guys have been fighting for equality all your lives. I go, I haven't, okay? <laughs> Society did. And yes, we were given the chance to work and have all these rights and stuff. But I think it's our fault as well. We've been chasing, chasing, chasing something. And now we come back to ground zero. Oh, mm. actually, it's not serving me anymore. Yeah.
2: I think that's so, Like, I mean, growing up, I was just always very much one track, like, oh, well, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to do my A-levels, I'm going to go to university and de- get a degree, and then I'm mm. going to go into the corporate world. Like, that was always just what my family had done, what the yeah. path was. And it was going back, it was following the money. So it was, you know, yeah, graduated out of a degree, I went on to a grad scheme, I did that, and then I was thinking, where's the money, where's the money? I wasn't at any point thinking, what do I actually want to do? Like, what would I actually enjoy? Mm. So following the money just because that was what I've been brought up to do. And my yeah. mum is like, she's my biggest role model. She's very, very successful in the corporate world. And yes. I think just following her and it was very much like, you don't rely on a man. <laughs> That's how I was <laughs> brought up. Yeah. What, but it, what,
0: what have you learned from your mum?
2: Oh, do you know what it was? So my parents split up when I was probably, oh God, maybe 12 or 13. And if it wasn't for my mum having her own career, mm. then we would have been completely on our arse. Mm. But she had this huge career that she'd built around me and my sister and she managed to... like. And at the time, you don't realise it because being that young, you just think, oh, well, life's going on as normal. But looking back now, the fact that she went essentially to a single income, you know, a single parent, and our lives didn't really change. We mm-hmm. still were very privileged that we still had our horses. We still went to private school. We, I mean, we moved to state school, but that's irrelevant. But, you know, our lives didn't change because she had that career. So what it's really taught me is you... Don't rely on anyone. Like, I have a fantastic partner who's got an amazing career, but at no point am I ever going to think, mm. oh, well, I'm just going to rely on you. I'm always going to have my own properties. I'm always going to have, you know, my own life. And that's because my mum, she's taught me, you you don't rely on a man. <laughs> that's so, amazing.
0: Uh, are you really... Uh, what What drives you?
2: What drives me?
0: Look, you're you're young. You're leading a business mm. that's in a really competitive space mm-hmm. marketing and you're you're at the top of that business
2: i think what drives me is being independent and being able to have people to look up to me like i do my mum and be able to kind of bring them through those ranks so i mean when i came out of uni i went into the automotive industry again following the money following the money went into the telecoms industry all completely male dominated spaces um like, you know, one in 10 people were girls, probably not even that. Um, and I was just always kind of motivated to break through the mold. Like I remember when I was 21, fresh out of uni, I'd yeah. be walking into these automotive garages, into these like service garages, like, you know, little old me like, hello, trying to sell them stuff. And they were probably turning and look like, and they were looking at yeah. me like, Pff. and you know, I was a manager of a um, of an automotive branch and we would have customers come in and they'd look straight past me. And they'd go, "Can I speak to the manager, please?" (laughs) I love that. And I'd be going, "I am the manager," (laughs) and they'd be looking at all you know the people who were my employees behind me. And I think that's what drives me. I like that feeling. I like breaking through that barrier of going, "No, hun, it's me."
0: (laughs) What was the feeling inside? You know, when they said, "Is the manager there?" And like, what does that do to you internally?
2: First time, it was a bit like, oh, you know, just a bit self-deflating almost. Mm. It was a bit self-deflating, whereas now I kind of relish it. I kind of like going into those situations and breaking through the barrier of what people first think. I think that's the thing that we were
1: discussing yesterday as well, perception, how people see you. And then when you actually get to know someone, it's totally different. Mm -hmm. And it's almost all of a sudden your guards either go up or they go down. Like the podcast guy who interviewed me yesterday his perception of me six years ago was i was intimidating how i showed up on my social media um fears you know all the high fly words that you use when you're not sure about a person sometimes and he said oh well it's very different talking to you now i go i actually kind of i'm all right with that i don't need you to understand me or our followers Mm -hmm. or the people that look up to us as long as you get to understand yourself and this quest the journey has been about redefining who you are again and again and again to get to a place where you're like, I'm comfortable being who I am and what Mm -hmm. I'm doing, whether I'm a man or a woman. And I had a complete different upbringing from you. Like you had a single mum, I'm guessing, that Mm -hmm. brought you up, right? I had two parents and I'm one of, what, five siblings, no, six, five sisters. So my father was very much, yeah, (laughs) he was a proper girl's dad. But I mean, there's good and bad in everything, Mm -hmm. Coming from different backgrounds and cultural backgrounds, religious backgrounds. But my father was the one who taught us, you have to be independent. Don't rely on other people. Um, Getting us the education that we all needed. Mm -hmm. Like, all of us have got degrees, master's degrees in the house. If it wasn't for him... I'm not sure how well we would have been showing up in the world, like standing up for ourselves in justice or being kind, being a good human being even. So parents have a good and an important role to play in our lives, surely. Like yesterday I was talking about um, how being a Bangladeshi, being a Muslim and defining all those stereotypes was very hard when you don't have the support of parents or Hmm. you have trauma at a very young age and all that stuff. So it's really nice to see different perceptions as well different people from different backgrounds Mm -hmm. and how they were brought up yeah you both
0: you both said independence you Mm. both said being in control and being in charge of my own future my own progression where i am right now
1: Mm. is
0: super super crucial to me Mm. what about the rest of society are you seeing that in other people they've got a sense of independence or they've not got it yet
1: I think well, I can't speak for you. Like from I can only speak from my background and what I've noticed. Um, like culturally we females are brought up with this whole idea and the pressure, shall I say, as well, to be X, Y, and Z. And the first one that the pressure that we face is to be married. That is seen as success. That is seen as the mm. height of that you've made it. Getting married, having children, then you have the house, then you have a car. Those things define a lot of us in our community the height of what success means. I haven't achieved most of them on that list, okay? So when I spent most of my journey looking into who I was becoming, it, you can't help but feel this feeling of, have I made it in life? Am I a failure according to the people around me, according to my parents' expectations of me? And that became a very, how do I say, a heavy burden. And being the elders, being that role model, being of a background Bangladeshi we're taking all these boxes of being Bangladeshi a woman being Muslim you have your own stereotypes the discrimination that comes with it and I always say to parents the biggest thing that I had to win over was my parents right I needed them to be on my side because I kept battling because I'm trying to validate my experiences making sure they're happy if they're not happy therefore I'm a failure so when I said to you at the beginning um, it's all my failures that makes me successful. I have failed so many times over the years, mm. in ten years, and I still don't think I can reach to a point where I'll be like hundred percent happy, because there's always something else to do, mm. and there's always something else to achieve. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. yeah.
0: But but the house, the marriage, the car, you said you not you've not ticked off a lot of those things. Mm. How does that make you feel, saying that?
1: Sometimes, if I'm really honest, sometimes I worry a lot. About what? Like, the stability of it all. Because I chose a very, very different path. I left a very comfortable 9-to-5 job. I left the comfort, the security of money coming in to pursue this dream, this passion that took me through highs and the lows to hell and back. (laughs) And you do sit there and you think, well... What 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 matters to you the most? Where are you right now? Because we focus so much on the future that creates the fear, the anxiety. And this year, I just decided whatever happens, it will happen. It is what it is. <laughs>
0: I'm just going to so, go with the flow. Let, let's let's both answer that question. What what matters most right now to both of you?
1: Um, I'm coming out of my shell a lot more after the last three years, having. I don't know if I spoke about this on the last podcast. I was going to get married. It didn't work out. And it's. I feel like I'm starting all over again. And this time I have so much knowledge behind me. And I'm so certain of who I am. So what makes me happiness right now is am I feeling fulfilled? And am I doing what my purpose, my higher purpose is calling for me? That's what's going to be driving That's me the this year. That's the most important thing right Yeah, now. literally. And those happiness, I mean, I can say to you, being here is... Making me happy, talking to you, getting to know somebody different, reconnecting with your team and everything. It's in a moment, isn't it? So yeah.
0: What about you? What's Mm -hmm. most important right now?
2: I think focusing on I've always been someone who's like looking five years ahead, like constantly. And I think you know
0: I, is that did you get that from your mom
2: yeah and i think well and so and it's funny so i was having a conversation with her the other day and i was like what's next what's next how can i you know how can i progress the company more how can i do this how can i do that and she said for once you just need to take a step back mm. because being I'm, I'm 27 and she said you'll get to a point where your ability outgrows your experience And you have to wait a little bit for your experience to catch up because then you have those, you know, the lessons, the failures and you learn and then you can adapt. So I think at the minute what's important for me is just making sure that I'm happy, you know, in my personal life and that I'm not constantly looking for the next thing and I'm taking In what I've got at the moment and being, you you know, not always looking ahead because you know you said you're never going to get there. If you're always looking ahead, you're never going to be happy with what you've got right now. Mm. I think it's also important to clarify what
1: you just said. It's so important to be happy in your personal life Mm. because that dictates every area of your other parts of your life. If you're sad in your relationship or your marriage or home, that will have a huge impact on your business. Yeah. You can't perform in work. Yeah, you're not going to bring it into the workplace. I literally, you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, happiness twenty twenty
2: four. Right.
0: You, you did say early on, actually, you've mentored, coached, helped lots of celebrities, lots of millionaires. Where do celebrities get it wrong?
1: Um, so I'm gonna. It's not my quote. Um, Marissa Pierce said yeah. this. And I always remember this. And it's so true. Um, It's Most of us don't feel enough. And that was true of my journey. Being a boxer. Going through the eating disorder. Trying to be attractive. Not realising that I never felt good enough. And that's the same across with a lot of people. So when I've worked with some of the millionaires. And some of the celebs. Fame is great. If you know how to channel that fame. Fame is great when you don't. How do I say it? You're not drinking out of that cup for you to feel validated, right? When you have accepted where you are. That's great. It's amazing. But where I feel like a lot of people lose it is when they go above that threshold of what they can't handle sometimes and they neglect themselves. They neglect their health, their fitness, self-care, loving themselves, validating themselves from within, and I feel like a lot of people, their personal development stops at some point when they make it. So that's where I find it's a bit of a sticky one. So, like when I get the CEOs or the associate directors, and it's amazing to see these people, especially the females, like they're at the highest end. Like I look at them, I think, wow, but you're coming to me to learn how to be confident, mm-hmm. how to feel unstuck how to increase your self-esteem, how to have a better relationship in your marriage, how to have a better relationship with yourself. And when they say, I don't love myself, I'm like, I beg your pardon? Like, what? It doesn't make sense to me. But then it does make sense to me when I go through the program with them because they haven't done their inner work and they get to this place. And again, going on to another thing, they, sometimes a lot of people use work, whatever it is, as a distraction because they're trying to avoid or not go down that rabbit hole of the wound, the root, the scars, whatever's hurt them. So, yeah.
0: Very cool. <laughs> uh, you, you've got me, you've got me wanting to ask Sophie a question, actually, go for it. Um, because, you know, when you said you looked up at these people and you're like, wow, look at all the things that mm. they've achieved. Now, Sophie, from a professional perspective, I mean, 27, mm-hmm. you've achieved a lot. Um, and what are some of your disciplines in work that you would attribute some of your success to your progression down to?
2: So initially when I first came, you know, just came out of university, was into the workplace, I was very, can I say ballsy? Just very like mm. confident and was just like, you know, nothing to lose because you you know nothing, yeah. right? <sighs> so you just kind of go in and, you know, just nothing to lose, confidence. And I fell into kind of sales and that's what I was good at. And then... I was very much like a maverick, like I didn't care really about, you know, how I got there. I was just going to get there and I was very driven. And then I think as you as I've then progressed into kind of a management role, what I've really learned is that, you know, gung-ho-ness can only get you so far. And actually, you need to rein it in and become extremely organised and meticulous about processes. And the stuff that I didn't care about initially, because I just wanted to sell, sell, sell and do whatever, actually, I think, got me to where to a point but then it was actually homing in on the people skills the organization and just i think that's i know it sounds weird but i'm just extremely organized like every day if you looked on my phone in my notes my day is planned in 15 minute intervals every single day
0: so for people listening to this right now (laughs) wow if if there's three things that they can do to become exceptionally organized more systematic Mm -hmm. on in the workplace Mm -hmm. what are the three things they should do
2: it's all about habit so you need to be consistent with it. With what? So with, with being organised. So get into. So it's, I'm not saying everyone needs to plan their day to you know to that degree of accuracy like I do. But for me, that's what helps me. But I think plan plan your day in advance. And so that it goes outside of work. So for example, it goes into like your, your nutrition. So I plan what I'm having to eat. <laughs> tomorrow today I have my food diary logged the day before I have my meals planned the day that. before I have my workout planned the day before and I have my work schedule planned the day before Yeah. so I have everything everything is meticulously organized and I know that's not a cheat like loads of my friends are like you're such a weirdo I can't believe you have it but for me that's what works and that's how I get everything done you know and I don't procrastinate I think naturally I could be a bit of a procrastinator so that's what helps me and I think the way that you then stick to that is by doing it religiously. So you have to, anything, you find your routine of what makes, you know, what makes you get stuff done and then you have to stick to it.
0: Genius, what you just did, by the way. Because <laughs> I asked for three things and you said, you know, plan it, plan it the day before. Yeah. Plan what your day before? Plan your day, your work day, the schedule, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Plan the food that you're going to eat the day before. And plan your workout the day before. Is that like music to your ears?
1: I laugh because I was that person once, and I'm laughing because I am the total opposite of you right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> like I wish I had that organization. I, I, I got
0: given a book yeah. a few weeks back called Scatter Brains. Yeah, I've not I've not read it yet. Are you scatter brains at the I moment? I would
1: say so. Yeah, I mean, I love. I am a very disciplined per- person, but I also say I'm the most undisciplined person. Um, in so many different areas of my life. And I think that's where probably I struggled a lot in mm. my business or work. I had this hobby, this passion, an idea. And I loved helping people. But it took me longer to get where I am now because I didn't have that dedication. W- what to are your disciplines now? I will say more... I think So if I think back at it, the last couple of years, I've been healing this wounded feminine energy. And I had to really work with the flow of myself... Being a woman, actually, you know, like we have menstrual cycles. We can't always be go, 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 go. We need to rest and understanding that, you know, going in, understanding I'm getting older, my hormones are at play. I have to be a bit more kinder to myself. That's the key word I think I'm looking for. A bit more relaxed and having mercy on Is myself. Is that a discipline that you've got now? I do, you, you know, I do. I do have, imp- I have implemented and I have been doing this for years, like taking myself out on self-love dates taking days out where I just do nothing, whatever tickles my fancy, go and eat what you want. And I had to also heal a eating disorder in the last decade or so. So I went from extreme discipline to in my 30s, I would say, well, the first part of the 30s was becoming aware I've got an issue, then realizing this issue has dictated every area of my life. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be that girl that people see as she's a boxer or she's a fitness coach i just want to be me (laughs) who enjoys life Mm -hmm. and doing that just being a bit more relaxed has allowed me to be this person Mm -hmm. like going into my um, childlike being playful being nurturing being caring Um, but i'm still very strict with my discipline when it comes Mm -hmm. to the gym all right so when i teach my clients like look you've got to have some flexibility in your life as well. Because there will come a day, like it did for me, where something goes, I don't want to do this anymore. And you go from one end to another. Mm. But my discipline is knowing that I have got a routine and mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing. Otherwise, it will be chaos. Yeah. And we don't
2: need chaos. And, that's, and it's yeah. personality types, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, my sister, for example, she naturally is very organised. So I think if she planned like I did it would, you know, bring on kind of... Because she suffered with an eating disorder mm. and she has a very addictive personality. Yeah. So if she tried to plan like I did, it would become an obsession. Literally. Whereas I am completely the opposite. Like, I'm very much... Like, my mum always said, you know, primary school, my sister would revise for hours for a spelling test and get 10 out of 10, whereas I would do absolutely no work <laughs> leading up to it and get 9 out of 10 and be like, eh, that's all right. And so it's... it's yeah. I think it's what works with different personality types oh, as well. But. yeah. And I was just thinking about kind of what... It's actually only probably happened within the past couple of years. So I've always kind of regretted and been like, I don't have a skill. Mm. Like, I'm not skilled. That's what I've always said, you know, because I don't have a trade. I'm not, you know, I I can't sing, I can't dance, you know, that sort of thing. And I've always felt like kind of being kind to yourself. Like you said, I haven't been very kind to myself because all along I've been like, well, I don't have a skill and, you know, I'm useless, what can I do? And then actually, I think in the past couple of years, I've realised, actually being good with other people communication Mm. and you know sales and that sort of thing that's a skill within itself and I think that's what I never appreciated because I thought well everyone can speak to other people and everyone can get along and actually Mm. I mean especially being in marketing we have as you can imagine you know some of our best web designers they speak in code you know if you try to put them on a sales call they you know but um and I think for me that's what was a pivotal point is being kind to myself and actually that i do have a skill and you don't have to be able to sing dance code build whatever if you can just sell yourself and just be a nice person yeah. it's, it's
0: communication your super skill
2: i'd say so yeah
0: how does someone develop that
2: so i think to a degree it's it is a personality trait i think but i do think you can improve on it if it's something that naturally doesn't come to you, and again, it's being organised, so communication via, for example, email or messaging, just being prompt, and just actually, you know, replying with what you can, that can teach, but I think communication on a person-to-person level, what I learned is to listen to someone, first and foremost, so I remember when I first started in sales, I'd be unknowingly speaking a lot about me, and you know, and and, and, whereas actually, if you're asking kind of open-ended questions, and, Mm. People love to speak about themselves, and I think that's the key to being a good communicator. Asking open questions, making other people speak to you about themselves, okay. and then it leads you into more interesting conversations.
0: Good little tips, but I, li- I like it. So, between us, the disciplines we've got plan your day in advance. This is what you've got uh, plan your day in advance, plan your food in advance for tomorrow, plan your workout in advance <laughs> for tomorrow. Then you said, you better be kind to yourself as well.
1: Yeah.
0: And and in, in that, you said, relax.
1: Be compassionate.
0: Be compassionate and be true to yourself. Yeah. Mm. But then you also threw in the other one, which was flexible. So I've put the relax and true and compassionate under being kind to yourself. Mm. Mm. Uh, but you also said then be flexible as you go. Mm. It's
2: funny because we're almost at complete opposite ends of the spectrum. And I feel like the key word to connect them is balance. Mm. Like you need to have... I think you need to have the kind of routine to, you know, get where you want and to know, you know, to know what you want. I mean, as you said, you in your twenties were very much kind of the same, and that, but then you also need to have that balance so that you don't become obsessed with it and you still. You're right.
0: But I yourself. do think,
1: like, when you are working for yourself, there are years that you don't know what the word balance means. Mm-hmm. Like I went to sleep, waking up when I was an amateur boxer at your age it was sleep boxing, eat boxing, do everything boxing. Every conversation was boxing, Mm -hmm. boxing, boxing. Look at me, Miss Boxer. And then it was like (laughs) it was boring for a lot of people. Then when I decided to do my own thing, I became obsessed with the work. And it was laptop at the dinner table when I'm watching television and the family's like okay, but then it's my sister that I had to point out, like, you're not with us. You're just Mm there. We're making plans. You're saying yes and you don't show up because I've not listened <laughs> there is a balance of no balance sometimes mm-hmm. and then some years you're like okay mm. I do want to be present here
0: well I, I was taught by a gray actually you know that you got to assess balance over a lifetime because sometimes you can look at someone and yeah. from in your eyes in your judgmental eyes yeah. it might look like they're out of balance but you yeah. don't know what's going on in their world mm-hmm. and they might be doing all of that now so that they get all of this free time then
1: absolutely yeah.
0: So they might look out of balance in both areas, but when you assess it over a lifetime or over a longer period, it it makes more sense. I
2: mean, I had it when... So when I kind of first went into the telecom industry, I was working all the hours God sent, and I was earning, you know, really, really good wage. This is when I thought money was everything. You know, I was earning a lot of money for, you know, I mean, what I was, you know, 22, 23 years old. I was earning loads of money, but then I was like, I actually hate what I'm doing, like I hate telecoms, I couldn't get excited about wires <laughs> in the ground and VoIP and whatever, I just couldn't and I couldn't bring that passion to it. So what I kind of thought then was, right, I need to turn this around and I had to make quite a big sacrifice. in. So in going into marketing, I was... I, essentially, I saved like stink when I was in the telecoms and I bought a I bought a property that I could rent out because I knew I do not want to be in telecoms forever and I absolutely hate this. And I know if I leave this industry, I'm going to have to take quite a substantial pay cut to do that. Mm. So I bought a rental property so that that would give me a buffer in kind of the drop in salary and then moved into marketing just as like a low-level account manager and then have worked my way up from that. And I think that was that was one of the my biggest lessons in life because I'd always chase the money. And then actually one day I just thought, what do I enjoy? What do I actually want to do to and, you know, and did take that big pay, you know, hit to do so. But it's one it's the best thing I could have ever done. And I think for anyone who, you know, is young and. Feels like they're in kind of that rat race just to earn all the money in corporate companies, it's like not thinking about the money and doing what you actually enjoy is one of my. Did that
0: make you more passionate then? About making that decision to say, look, I, I want to enjoy what I'm doing here, mm. did that ignite more passion? Yeah. Did it?
2: Oh, yeah. I I mean, that's the first time in my career I'd ever done something for happiness, which sounds ridiculous, mm. but it was. I'd only ever thought of a career as a, as a way to earn money. That's all I'd ever thought about it as. And actually going into marketing, realising, oh, I can actually enjoy what I'm doing and earn money at the same time. It just made me so much more driven. And I think... I provide a better service to not only you know the employees and being a better manager but also to the clients because it's so obvious when you if someone doesn't enjoy their job like I mean in in the company we always say like if if we have someone who works for us and they're not enjoying it we just say please just go because if you don't enjoy what you're doing that it comes across to clients and that's one of my biggest things I think it's amazing God. you did that at a very young age as well because mm. what you've just done
1: asking those important questions a lot of people ask many years later like in their 40s or their 50s what do i enjoy i've done this rat race Mm. you know so amazing kudos to you
0: (laughs) yeah i mean just on that last point that you raised there you know if someone's not enjoying it we say please just go (laughs) is that how you fire people
2: yeah we've yeah so we
0: so we've got two extremes here Yeah. yeah we've got You're fired. Who's that? (laughs) Alice Sugar. All right. You're fired. And we've got, look, you're not enjoying it, please.
2: Mm. Well, we saw, um, I mean, it was at BizX last year. Mary Portas was there. And she, oh, and her, her talk was amazing. And it's something we really installed into Be Kind. And not only does that come across, you know, personal situations, but it's be kind to your employees. Like, if if this, you know, if someone's clearly not enjoying it, it's clearly not what they want to be, but they, you know, they might be there because of habit, or you know, just people stay in jobs that they yeah. shouldn't be in, don't they? It's yeah. just it's just the way of the world. But we, I think, we've adopted that be kind method because it's one kind How? of for them.
0: So, what, what do you do to be kind then? What's the practical? Solution?
2: So, it's just in. I guess it's just having routine checks, and it's kind of just having those conversations and being really open in, in the sense of do you actually enjoy what you're doing and do you enjoy working for us you know what can we improve and obviously we'll always if there's ways to improve. how
0: often do you do that that you elicit that kind of feedback
2: monthly yeah every, every month every month that's intense yeah every month it's we have this Are you enjoying thing. what you're doing yeah
0: is there any area we can improve mm-hmm. how many questions do you ask on that
2: so we have something called pace so it's an acronym so it stands for kind of performance ability compassion and excellence it's cool so we are kind of going through these every every month and if someone's you know if someone's not happy that's where we emphasize they'll be kind cuz not only is it kinder to the company to let someone yeah. you know for, to let someone go because it's affecting the company. It's kinder for them, because ultimately it's not nice. But, you know, we've all been in jobs we don't like. Mm. And also it's kinder to the client. It's kinder in every sense of the word. If something's not the right fit, don't stay out. Because also you'll stay to the point where there's so much hate and resentment built up that by the time you leave, then you've burnt the bridge completely.
0: A lot of people, a lot of business owners, leaders, executives, they get scared about firing people. Mm. Are you scared of it?
2: I mean, I don't enjoy, I don't think anyone with a, you know, I don't think anyone can enjoy <laughs> yeah. it, but I'm not, <laughs> no, no, we actually went through quite a transitional phase in the business last year um, with the emergence of AI and yeah, everything yeah. like that. And we were kind of a team of 30
0: Yeah.
2: and we really had to whittle that down, Um, you know, with the kind of all of our, cause we had a team of, you know, seven content writers. And as soon as ChatGBT came out, it just made such an, etern- you can't, Use, I mean, I won't go into AI because I could speak about it all day. But essentially, as a business, we had to go through such a huge mon- monumental shift. And we did have to let go a lot of people. And it was absolutely awful. Mm. But I think it ignited the fire in the other staff to think, oh, God, I, I need <laughs> to make myself valuable here. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, no, I do not enjoy firing people to answer the question. Of course not. But I'm not scared of it.
0: I was, I, was, yeah. I was creating pictures in my mind that, you know, <laughs> behind the scenes you had this ruthless no. cutthroat, Alan Sugar.
1: Yeah. But I think it's important, though, to decide for yourself as a human being, do you want to be around that energy? Mm. Do you want to be around... One bad apple. Yeah, and it can literally ruin mm-hmm. everything. Like, I work with one-to-one clients, and that one client can make me become a bad coach to the other five clients that I'm working with in that day. Mm -hmm. And I experienced that last year and it was just that dread. Yeah. Like going in, I go... Work dread. Yeah. (laughs) I go, I've not experienced this. Why am I feeling this way? But what I do when I'm doing the consultation, I decide if I want to work with you or not. And people think, and I said this openly on my social media... At that stage, you think you're here for a consultation, but I'm actually deciding if I want to work it's with you. It's a two-way street. <laughs> yeah. and I think. How,
0: how many people do you say no to?
1: A fair amount because I increase my prices. So that's a gentlest way I can say I don't want to work with you because I know they can't afford it. And instead of saying I don't want to work with you because I don't want to be that person that hurts somebody's feeling right. and they're already coming in with issues and trauma right. and I might be the last hope and they come mm-hmm. in. It might be out of my scope even yeah. what I can mm-hmm. do. So it's like okay,
0: you got to be strong though. You got to be strong, and courageous to say yeah, no. Yeah, but
1: mm-hmm. I love the work that I do because I can see it before they can even they even tell me or I can feel it or whatever it mm-hmm. is. And when you become in tune with who you are and your energy field and all that kind of stuff, you know exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. And it's just this weird intuitive feeling that says to you, oh, this thing is talking to you. This is not the right mm-hmm. candidate. So going back to this one client. I was like okay I don't want to do this anymore I don't want to train her Mm -hmm. she's bringing me down and I'm the (laughs) most happiest when I'm at work and I had to have a conversation with her on a few occasions to say look we can't keep talking about this this isn't this if you want the help I can do this x y and z by the fourth time I thought I can't deal with this so Mm. saying goodbye to clients or employees Mm. is important Mm. it's healthy <laughs> really yeah. it is something that you do to look after yourself and you have to understand where your boundaries are as mm. well what you can handle and what you can't and you don't have to put up with everything i know it's sad to say it but sometimes letting something go there's other opportunities when one oh. door closes yeah. another one always opens i'm a true believer of not that. all business is good business literally <laughs> something literally remember. not every opportunity is a great opportunity
0: yeah you mentioned earlier on about it was a general statement that you made about women feeling burnout. Mm. I mean, what struggles do women have that men don't have?
1: I think um, I speak heavily about this with my clients. And I never realize Look, being a human nowadays is hard, right? You have your struggles as a man. I have my struggles as a woman. Mm. And I should never, ever feel ashamed to admit those struggles, whether you agree with it or not. Yeah, These are my struggles collectively as females we can talk about where we have menstrual cycles. We don't have a choice in that. We have to have to go through it for the cycle of life. Then we have to think about this whole idea of being this person at work, coming home, cleaning.
0: Does Um, a man have to do that though as well?
1: I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Of course they (laughs) do. Not in my household. (laughs) But exactly, for my upbringing, men are just breadwinners. Mm -hmm. They have it tough as well. I'm not saying that, so please don't come at me, Mm. okay? But we all have our different struggles in our different ways, but for females, when we think about the complexities of going through a menstrual cycle, and I never paid attention to this until a bit later on in life, like we go through a psychological change, we go through a physical change, emotional change, spiritual change, hormonal changes, everything goes out of the window being sane right we I'm just literally a different mm. person the cuddles and you know neuroscientifically when I studied this how it changes our brain when we go on that cycle and back then back in the days where we weren't chasing careers when it was the time of the month for a lot of females you were in bed you were doing house chores or you're mm. doing things you know I have now we mm. can run a bath you know all those normal things that you don't have to be at the forefront of running this marketing company or whatever it is. But we always have to be on the go. Like I made a joke about it. Only a female can get up at seven o'clock in the morning, having started a period, and still be at work at nine o'clock on mm-hmm. time, right? And if you understand how draining it is, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. So now we pile up this whole idea of where we are in modern society. Go to job. Go, go, go. Get a job. Be at the top end of your job. Make sure you're getting enough income coming in. Come home, clean. Then if you have children, looking after the children. Then if it's a single mom. The pressures are even more demanding. Mm -hmm. And I can only say this now because I work with the females. And I have so much respect for the single mums because those who decide to work with me, they're now choosing to become a better human being, finding the time, one to work out, finding the energy to make their food because that impacts their children. Mm -hmm. And whether we like to admit it or not, going back to again addressing men have their own struggles we have our own struggles then being a mom then x y and z whatever stages you're in your life those children are with you 24 7 right if you're a single mom those children are with you everywhere you go you have to do everything and i remember this lady till swan said this society wasn't made for single parents whether you're a man or a woman because we need the polarity of man and woman together if we want a functional society and I think that's where we have failed society so much because now we're chasing high ambition this the Ferrari the glamorous lifestyle we have gone so far away from the gender roles and if you can have an unfunctioning household then society is not functioning at all is it so you know going back to answer your question the exhaustion comes from trying to be everything And we can't be everything. I can't do what you can do. And you can't do what I can do. And that's why I said right at the beginning, God made man a man for a reason. God made woman a woman for a reason. And when we understand, um, I come from an Islamic background. We have a whole different take on those ideas of what it means to be a man and a woman compared to what modern society teaches us or what feminism has taught us. I'm like, well, it doesn't fit in with the way I was brought up. I was brought up watching my dad being the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. I was brought up watching my mum being the housewife, the typical housewife, and she did an amazing job. She made sure we were all fed, clothed. We had a great kinship with siblings. She made sure we were studying, doing the homework. Dad came in, there's the money, there you go. I gave mum an allowance. I'm like, okay, I don't mind a bit of that. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> what, what, I don't mind.
0: What advice would you give to men in order to get, the best out of the females that are in their lives that are experiencing any of or, or all of this. The you know, the feeling that they've got to do everything.
1: I think at the end of it, right, females wanna be going through the main things that we spoke about what a man's role is or a woman's role is, the protector, the provider and the person that leads, right? The female's job is the nurturing, the caring, the looking after, right? what a man can do and i've seen this as well is ask your partner what do you need from me again coming back to communication yeah. we don't ask the right questions in relationships or marriages
0: what's the right question
1: the right question will be how would you like to be loved
2: mm, Oh, love languages yeah.
1: that is something i'm hugely yeah. into yeah it's
0: a good w- question isn't it yeah. 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 how would yeah. you like to be loved how
1: yeah. do you like to be loved and for you ask majority of the people, they don't know, but they mm-hmm. expect their partners to love yeah. them. With it's this idea. a nice exp- exploration yeah.
0: question, though, isn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, Absolutely. How How do you like to be loved? Let's mm-hmm. spread mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Who's asked you that question before?
2: Yeah. Well. Yeah. No. I mean. So. I mean. I'm massively into the different love languages. Obviously, you've got. I mean, what is it? Acts of service, gifts, um, words touch. of affirmation, physical touch. And I think it's so interesting. I look back at previous relationships that didn't work out, for example. And I think, oh, my goodness, now that you know about the love languages, it's so obvious. Mm -hmm. But, like, so, for example, my partner's is massively words of affirmation, whereas mine's is more acts of service, for example. So the best thing that he could do for me Mm -hmm. would be to, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but, you know, take the bins out or do something, you know, like that. Whereas for him, it's kind of about, you know, speaking how I feel and, you know, that... But we
1: also have a duty as females to make sure that our men are looked after as well. So it works hand in hand by asking those questions. Like when I was going to get married to the guy I was getting to know, we were two different people. He was more of an introvert, I was more of an extrovert. I had a notebook and I called it my relationship book. Mm. And I had to write down questions because I knew I had issues. With communication, so the best thing that I could do was write the questions, get him to fill it up, and he would do the same. And it was a great way of getting to know one another. and the other thing other than the love language is learn about your partner's attachment style. and attachment style is something how you were brought up, the needs emotional, needs of physical needs, was it met when you were growing up? because that manifests if you didn't get that need met, that manifests in your adult romantic relationships. So when I've coached a lot of my clients, The moment you heal a person's childhood trauma or unresolved conflicts, Mm. they ease into their natural way of being loved or natural way of giving to the household or the partners or whatever it is, the dynamics of work. They just flourish. So I think it's important that we understand that both genders Mm. are struggling nowadays because even when you look at the dating industry right now i love it i absolutely thrive when a man comes up to me and says i think you're x y and z can i have your number you don't get that anymore because mm-hmm. they're scared to approach us because we made it hard unfortunately is okay? that the
0: way it, is that gone now is it out of the window well, it, I don't get you don't go up to i don't and say get that chatted anymore. up anymore on the streets yeah. but compared yeah. to before I, i'm, I'm a long time married so i wouldn't know <laughs> if that still exists or not but i'm guessing it does but, or, unless it's all online now is it all online
1: majority of it is yeah. and i think it's
0: I'll, horrible i met my sometimes. wife online on a dating yeah. website yeah
1: which one i need to go on
0: <laughs> <laughs> mash.com
1: oh wow it works it does work for people i think if you want to make it work mm. um there is i think there is an exhaustion in the dating game as well because nobody's bothered anymore they're like okay it's just disposable yeah. it's become disposable it's so idealist,
2: now i think as well you know, before it was kind of you'd meet. You know, you meet organically and you would get to know each other that way. Whereas I yeah. think on a date, you know, on a dating website now, you'd basically list everything you, you're looking for. So. For a guy, and you know, and a woman, vice versa, if a woman's kind of put on a, you know, I want someone over six foot, I want someone tall, dark, handsome, I want someone who's funny and has yeah. this career and that career. Before that man's even sent them a message, they're probably thinking, oh, bloody hell, she wants a lot. Yeah, Whereas yeah. like p- before, it would be so simple just to say hi, you don't know it's what It's intimidating both
0: ways, though, that is. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you
2: how many times a guy has come up to me and said, Oh, I thought you. I thought you were going to be really stuck up. Me too. <laughs> that is like that is nine times out of ten, and like yeah. sort of what men saying it's just like, what would give you, you know, yeah. that impression? But I, I get that a
1: lot, like especially the in the gym. I never approach you because I thought you'd be taken. Why wouldn't you be taken? I'm like, yeah. okay. See, <laughs> I call it the pretty girl problem, man. Oh. <laughs> 99
2: <laughs> problems.
0: All oh, right, 99 problems. <laughs> yeah, first world problems, yeah.
2: Yeah. I think though as a female just going back to a point where you said about the female challenges, being at, so being at 27, kind of kids for me and my partner is definitely on the horizon within, you know, the next <clears> couple of years. My partner's desperate for them now. He would love them now. But for me, I know someone's career's got to give. Mm. Not not forever. Yeah. But
0: how you feel about for that? For
2: a good couple of years, and that, it's something that I've really been adjusting to because my career's all I've ever thought about. You know, it's it's all I've been driven to. But he's the exact same. He's very successful in his own right, and it's kind of I know deep down it's going to be my career that has to take a break. Well, yeah.
0: my wife, my wife stopped her career for, for kids yeah. for us.
2: Well, then you said so. So I could yeah. continue mine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's and that's I know, heart of hearts, what will happen. You know, and I'm not going to say stop because you know it's a you know, hopefully it would resume, but, you know, for a good couple of years, and especially with the price of childcare, I mean, in our area, you're looking at 1,500 quid a month for one kid, let alone, I mean, twins running my partner's family, so if I have twins, you're looking at three grand a month for... gone. And then... i have got twins. Wait.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to look after my children,
1: and I've happily yeah. said this, when people say, well, do you not want to carry on working? Mm. I'm like, no, the work is going to be 24 at home, mm.
2: and I feel like now is the time I would love to do and that. I don't think that's something... And I can't speak for all men, but I feel like that's something that men don't necessarily know, necessarily know. They they think, oh, you're at home with the Like, I've got plenty (laughs) of friends with kids and, you know, you know, their partner's out all day working. Absolutely. Nine till five. And then they come back and they expect their dinner made for them and all the rest of it. And they're like, well, you've just been at home all day. And it's like, yes, but yeah you know they've done you know the woman's done the night feeds and has slept for probably two hours and you know it's so monotonous and i think especially from being career driven previously very mentally stimulating whereas when if you then suddenly go to just one-to-one time with a baby all the time it can be like my mum has said as much as she loves me dearly it's boring really really boring and you're going from that high career stimulating you know real intellectual conversations to drop down to that and then your partner comes home and thinks or we've just been playing with the baby all day i think that is yeah. something that can cause a lot of friction yeah i see it with the girls that are trained you know the high flyers mm. the
1: stay-at-home mums that's where the depression kicks in for yeah. a lot of females as well but they i think after a few years when they go back to doing something that they love or they have that community mm-hmm. tribal thing it gets better but having said that as well um it's important that we do nurture our children. It's important that we do mm. have the full capacity to say, "This is my child. I'm going to look after them." Otherwise, get, bringing a child into this world and ditching them in a nursery is so mm. upsetting. It's so what's the point of having mm. that child? And you know, like some people are great parents because they're consciously parenting, and some people, unfortunately, society makes means they have to take that person and go to work again. Mm. So we have to look at all sides of what's going on as well. But I feel like sometimes um, we put too much pressure on ourselves as Mm. females. Like even you thinking about your future, Mm. having a child, you have to give up your work. That's the thing, Yeah. yeah. But instead of saying the word give up, you can just say something like, Okay, I'm going to take a rest from work for a year while I breastfeed the child and I get my
2: sleeping pattern and I get my body all right. Mm. You can always come back to it. But I that's mean, what scares me. Is yeah. Can I come back to it? Will it be gone? Like, you, you know, will, will everything i built be gone? That's, that's f- and that's what I scares me. But I think that's me. what the fear is about
0: but society. If you're going to ask, will it be gone... You've got to balance the question out. Will, yeah. will it still be there? Mm. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think this is exactly the conversation. Yeah. We get to the net. like when we want to think about it, the penny drop moment, mm. this is what stops a lot of females doing what they want to do. and thinking about family, the fear of losing the empire. Got to yeah. But what if you can have it all? Mm. Like I know for a fact, I've been thinking in my head, I love the work that I do. When I have children, I want to be that woman that can look after her children and do something on the side. Or you somehow, want it yeah. Why can't we? Yeah, I
0: like the I why like the the, the challenge. You know, what if you can have it off? Yeah. There's um there's a gentleman named Jordan Peterson.
1: Yeah, of course we know him very well. Yeah, yeah.
0: He's very outspoken. <laughs> like, yeah. He speaks incredibly well on subjects. He's very well researched. Whether you like him or don't like him, I like he's him. Got, he's got, okay. yeah. Uh, I don't think I know who he is. It's who all is? right. It's all right. One of his one of his uh, twelve laws is um, agreeableness. Mm. And he's 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 online. It's very well documented this online that he's been very expressive about this. But he says the reason that some females have not gone a high up in their career as men is because they're too agreeable mm. in nature. Generally speaking, more percentage of them are more agreeable to and uh, disagreeableness or agreeableness, whichever way you want to go, is an essential ingredient in moving up your career path. Mm. Yeah. And what do you think about Jordan Peterson saying that?
1: Um, you, in, you know, in a marriage, you can't have, yes, sir, no, sir, oh, my God, everything. It gets boring. It, gets, it runs out of the course yeah. of who you are. I became an introvert because I was agreeing to a lot of things and settling Once I came out of it, I'm like, oh, my God, I lost myself in that. I don't know who I am anymore because I didn't know how to disagree or I didn't want to disagree because I wanted a good path. I wanted, you know, everything. So I do understand where Jordan Peterson is coming from, but you have to be very strong Mm. in who you are. And the most confident person in a room is the person who's certain about who they are. So certainty about this is what I want for my future. I know I'm not going to stand up for this. Or actually, you know what? You are right and owning up to your mistakes. And I love his relationship stuff and everything. There's a a few things that he's done over the years that's gone far from what he was when he came up. But I like that take on what he said. I don't know if that um, answers your question or not. (laughs) But yeah.
0: I do like the confidence spin that you've put on it as well you know I'm being certain of yourself and being certain of your future direction in the moment right mm. now that's mm. going to be the most confident person in the room what about Andrew Tate you heard of Andrew Tate
2: <laughs> you really bringing these questions yeah, to well, us
0: <laughs> well he's been very outspoken <laughs> on the subject hasn't he
2: and he's what really surprised me is so I'm not I'm you know I'm not naive to I know that you surround yourself with similar people right yeah. so in my circle I'm not going to see that, but facebook social media i've got so many like over a thousand friends on facebook i barely know who these people are anymore if i knew them to start with half of them and i see so many people who agree with what he's saying and are actually sharing you know these kind of videos that he's you know that he's made and talks that he's done and they're like 100 percent. this is how it should be and i'm thinking we went to the same school we grew up in the same area like we're not okay yes upbringings can change but Fundamentally, we're relatively similar in this, you know, in the whole world. In the world, if you grow up in the same area, you go to the same school. There's going to be some commonalities, and I just think how can your mindset be that? What's
0: your opinion on it?
2: I think he's extreme. Like he's an extremist in his views. So I think I think some of his views, if not so extreme, could you know, could be agreeable. Mm agree so it kind of goes into what you're saying the woman's the caregiver the man you know the man's going to take you know the man's going to be the one to take care of the family the breadwinner etc that works for a lot of people but he's so extremist in his views that i just think it's absolutely ridiculous and i think this in this day and age i think a woman can do what they want if i mean i've got friends where they you know they're the breadwinner and when they have kids Um, I mean, the CEO of the company of the of the the marketing company who um, you know that I run, she is the breadwinner, and her husband raised the girls. She went back to work six weeks after having her firstborn. So I I don't think it has to be that way, and I think the way that he so I think I think he's a very intelligent man because I think to get to where he is, you have to be quite intelligent. But I think the issue is is that he is very impressionable on people who aren't so intelligent and people who aren't educated in this space and I think that's what's so damaging is that his voice is heard by very impressionable young men and I think that's what's damaging
0: got some quick questions for you both here um female role models who are the main female role models that you know of around the world you said your mum earlier on let's just (laughs) go for other people Mm -hmm. the audience that know of female role models around the world and why who are the main ones that's standing out for
1: you? You go first. My brain's oh, gone you, I was just going to think. See, so I don't feel like I grew up having strong female role models. I watched my mom, and resilience is something I took from her. Grit, persistence, hardworking. And a part of my brain rejects some of those hardworking ideas because she's exhausted. <laughs> she's tired. Right. Right? Um... I've been a sports person, so all the role models that I had come from sports background and stuff. Who, so my first ever up? one was Muhammad Ali's daughter, right. Leila Ali. And that's the first person that comes into my head because she was a huge part of me being a boxer, seeing a brand female, right? Being a woman, being confident, and all that kind of stuff. Now, my mind is blurred because we have too much out there. Mm. There's so much going out there. I'm trying to remember her name. Is it that guy, Hermosis? Hermosis? What's his name? Come Alex on. Alex Hermosis? Yes, his wife. Yeah, I yeah. forgot her name. She's amazing. Uh,
0: Lelia as well, Lilia. not
1: Lelia. You? She's amazing. She's somebody I follow, yeah. and she speaks with such eloquency, such grace. And, and she's
0: in the moment right now.
1: Literally. Know. And for her, she is what I call a perfect role model right now for me today because I've been watching a lot of her stuff that might change by yeah. the end of the year but the reason why I like someone like her is because she has a sports background she's athletic she decided to be with somebody um, who's made it and she's a public figure how does she contribute to his success and how do they make the partnership work like they are probably one of the few people I will say the how do I say it you know, the marriages, perfect role, perfect couple goals, right. that's it. <laughs> so that's one of them that comes into my head. All
0: right, over to you, Sophie.
2: I actually, and this is what is so awful, is I can't think of one. All of the role ma- role models, as in, as in, not as in personal, but as in, like, you know, public figures, yeah. that I've always kind of grown up thinking about are male when I think about it, or if I'm thinking of certain females, you know, that I really like, really like and really aspire to... They come from a, you know, they might have a famous husband or a famous dad or, and they kind of come from that. And what I'm trying to think of is, I mean, and I can think of one, but I mean, no one will know it. but she's, she kind of went from nothing to, and it's a, you know, Instagram influences, they're very, it's a very mm, up there topic, but she's a girl called Perry Sianne. And she started with absolutely no followers and she comes from a very like, you know, working class background. She has built her business up to something incredible. And that comes and it's what I aspire to is people who've built it from nothing. Mm. That's what I aspire to. And I'm trying to think of different female role models who've come from nothing.
0: Well, let's ask the audience, you know, in the interest of finding more female role models, do comment with who your favourite female role model is and why. Yeah. Put them out and let's get let's do the market research. Yeah. Let's let's find out more. I've got another question for you. I wanna see which side of the fence you're on. Most influential woman. Oprah or Beyoncé? Most influential <laughs> out of those two. Oh who who'd you say?
2: I, I would say Beyonce. Beyonce. Yeah.
1: You're yeah. both going for Beyonce, yeah. why? Because she probably talks to different generations as well mm. females. I'll probably Winfrey yeah, I knew she was amazing, yeah. but you only get to find out about her when you do the research on her, yeah, Whereas True. beyonce is in your face, mm. and she's married to fame. one of the icons, yeah, yeah. so you're like, mm,
2: she's intriguing, mm. yeah, I think it's with with that, I think it's all about people who I aspire to be it's people who I can relate to,,
0: mm.
2: and I can't relate to someone like Beyonce, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but.
0: You did say you couldn't a, sing earlier on. Y-
2: yeah, well, exactly that. <laughs> um, but Adele, as weird as it sounds, as big a star as Beyonce in her own yeah. right, I can relate to her a bit. Yeah. Maybe she's.
0: Dega, she's the first role model have yeah, got on yeah. the Yeah, because
2: she is someone who's, you know, come from nothing, worked away, work, she's one of the big stars and she's never lost herself. Yeah. I think she always, even in an interview, she'll see, like, she makes you laugh, like, she just seems really grounded, and I think...
0: We've just found a great one, haven't we?
2: No-one can think, yeah. say, oh, Beyonce comes across really grounded. <laughs> I don't think anyone can say that. But I do feel like, like, if I was to
1: think about the question, who's the role model, it's my everyday clients. Yeah. It's my sisters, it's my best friend. The people it's, around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, why does a role model have to
2: be somebody famous? Mary Portas, she's oh. a... She's one of mine. She's a, Yeah, no, she's one of mine, actually. She's great. She's really, Well, really you've cool. implemented
0: her system in your business. Well, exactly. There I, you go.
2: What I loved was at that conference, it was predominantly male speakers, and they were all going, know your finances, know your numbers. And she came on and went, stuff your finances, stuff your numbers, do what feels right. And I, I was like, that. I love her. I absolutely <laughs> love her. Be kind to
0: people, and if you're not, you'll be found out. Yeah. <laughs> all right. What's your favourite book? you've read i've asked you that question before but uh from from a business or personal development perspective
2: do you know what i'm just trying to think
0: let's go back over to you well
1: i've got three go cybernetics yeah maxwell waltz Then we've got How to Win Friends and Influence, influence. People, yeah, Dale yeah. Carnegie. And then The Breaking Habits. I can never get the title right by Don't Joe Dispenza. Oh, Joe Dispenza, yeah. Breaking Habits, yeah. Yeah, those three books.
0: I mean, that is a deep book as well. I
1: studied that book for a whole year <sighs> and it was so transformative.
0: What's the action? What does it make you do? What does it make you take action on that book?
1: He goes through the whole idea behind the energy field and how thoughts become things and how you can rewire the subconscious brain all that kind of stuff it's all the premises that i work with with my clients as well like when i think about when i hit depression at the age of 30 what really helped me what really got me out of it gratitude lists, praying sports <laughs> eating well all those kind of things but he goes deeper like we all have the capacity to change ourselves if our thinking is right and if we're guided and he's, he's heavy on meditation heavy on meditation so that's why i like his work and it's all about understanding energy and just understanding the energy field how we can manipulate things and centering ourselves the meditation has been a great life changer for me as well as praying so
2: i love his stuff
0: wonderful what do you reckon
2: so on a personal level um colleen hoover she's one of my favorite authors and she does there's a book. she does three books that they're kind of a series, but it um, ones it ends with us, it starts with us, and I can't remember the other one. But what I love about that is that she comes across from a female's point of it view. It is us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and um, it comes across from a feel, po- you know, female's point of view. And in the books, she covers domestic abuse, she covers um, infertility issues and miscarriages, and it's all. But she covers it so eloquently that it's something that you come away and think, you know, what if it happens to me? I'm not alone and I think from a personal and one of my friends was going through a very abusive relationship at the time I was reading it and I actually gave her the book and it changed her life because it was so and I don't want to get too heavy into domestic abuse but one of the things she said is you know your, your boundary line and you can apply this to all aspects of life, work, whatever you have a boundary line so you you know. and I'll use the domestic abuse so you have a boundary line oh no if he ever touches me I'm gone you know then you get the first slap and you think, oh no, you know, I've never let him do that again. Your lines just moved, and then it's he punches you. Okay, well, I'm never going to let him do anything more. And gradually, your boundary line yeah. extends. And I gave her that, I gave my friend that book, and she said it absolutely changed her life because she mm-hmm. said her boundary line had completely gone to something that she didn't respect anymore, mm-hmm. and she didn't couldn't visualise herself. So I think those books from a personal perspective. And then I love the Marcus Sheridan one. Um, Can the ask art, you answer. Yeah i love that one that was just great i think coming from sales when i read that was it called
0: they ask you answer yeah
2: they ask you answer. yeah how did you read that
0: incredible marketing book a hall of fame classic yeah what a guy as well all right last question each very simple one we'll almost finish where we started you know the first question was definition of success but <laughs> the last question is if the audience should take action on one thing to become more successful from listening to this What's the one thing? Nazia first.
1: Are we allowed to swear?
0: Yeah, you are.
1: <laughs> Hashtag fuck the world. Do what makes you happy.
2: <laughs> oh, I love Hashtag
0: that one. F the world. Do what makes you happy. You swore I didn't. And over to you, Sophie.
2: <laughs> Money's not everything. Money's not the only measure of success. I love that too. Yeah, yeah it's true.
0: Live in life. Mm.
2: Live your life. Enjoy what you do. Be mm. good at it be organized but don't yeah yeah but money's not everything Yeah, and I, t- I tell you why I say
1: if the world because people that can re- look at me and relate to me being Asian being brown being a female we we're, we're too stuck in the cultural norms and the status quo it's horrible for a lot of females we don't I don't I don't take permission from anyone to be who I need to be nowadays so it's I love
2: I'm yeah. taking notes out of your book. Yeah, I'm honestly. taking notes out of your now
0: book. you, Sophie, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Hey there, James here with an exciting announcement. The BizX Awards is coming to the ACC Liverpool from the 18th to the 19th of April with an incredible lineup of speakers. You're going to meet the likes of Stephen Mulher, Donald Miller, Deborah Meaden, and many, many more. Book your spot right now at the bizx.co.uk. And if you've enjoyed listening to the Business XLs podcast, make sure to comment your top learnings and favorite moments, as well as like and subscribe. See you next time.